was an unusual load. $60,000 worth of oversized tires. They were headed from Los Angeles to Alaska. But the freight broker found someone to haul it. But shortly after the driver picked up the cargo, something strange happened. He started driving in the opposite direction. He was headed to Miami. Someone was trying to steal the tires. But the freight broker wasn't going to let it happen. From Freight Waves, this is Long Haul Crime Log, a podcast about the dark side of trucking. I'm Nate Tabak in Toronto, Canada. And I'm Clarissa Hawes from Kansas City, Missouri. Today on the show, the story of how a freight broker foiled the cargo theft. That freight broker was Grace Sharkey. Grace isn't a freight broker anymore. She recently joined Freight Waves as a reporter. Grace, for those who don't know the industry, what does a freight broker do? Yeah, so freight broker is a entity that works with shippers uh, to help them find capacity or trucks to move their shipments. Uh, we work with a network of carriers that do not have the bargaining power to sell themselves to the shippers. So we provide that salesmanship to the carrier and we also provide the education for the shipper on how to move their freight from A to B in the most efficient manner. So basically, if let's say I have a, a company that makes uh, toy dinosaurs, and uh, and it need and uh, it needs to go to say uh, a customer, um, you know, three thousand miles away somewhere, but I don't actually don't have like the you know, a department for like, you know, I, we don't have trucks and we don't have like a department that knows how to get trucks. We might contact, say, a freight broker to ensure that that load gets moved. Exactly. Yep. Uh, a lot of times the companies that have, you know, products like Dinosaur Toys <laughs> don't have the staff to handle the minutia of shipping that, of tracking it, of finding the right carrier. For the right price. So they will reach out to us, but usually we come knocking on their door first. So what is like, what is the, 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 the life of a freight broker life? Like, uh, what is like the, on a daily basis? Like, what is it? What is a freight broker's life like? I think one of the best comparisons that I also hate the most is that it's very close to kind of the, a stockbroker where you're constantly watching the market, trying to figure out where you have the advantage, what areas you can sell, what carriers are available. And then you spend time matching that capacity or those trucks with the available shipments that your um, shippers or customers have. A lot of it is talking with your customers every single day, figuring out what they're trying to move. Sometimes it's uh, talking with sales reps and trying to price out what future business might be like. Um, but a lot of it is in that instant, trying to find the exact right person. So it moves very quickly uh, and decision, decisions need to be made fast. So it, it's a very high intensity type of environment. So Grace, you were the, uh, the this freight broker uh, back in, in 2018 who was uh, had booked this this load of oversized tires? Take us back to that uh, to that load. Was this an ordinary shipment from from your standpoint? Yes, uh, we we do tires often. Um, they are actually really fun to move because 
they usually don't need to be tarped or anything extra. So drivers with flatbeds enjoy them. Uh, it's not as much work. And it was a customer that we had picked up multiple times. So I, I know for a fact it was a Friday and that's when the full moon always comes out at a brokerage is Fridays. And, uh, it was just a normal Friday. Went to go pick it up. Uh, got a carrier on it. Um, and, and just a, a normal, a normal transit was what we're prepared for. Alaska is a little bit different. It's going to take a long time, but yeah. How many days did it take to take, get from a load from Southern California to Alaska? Usually takes uh, pretty close to a week. Now it is a weekend, so we do. I would say probably six to seven days, but we do want to give the driver right with their hours of service and everything time to rest appropriately, etc. So I'd say probably close to about seven to, to eight days. Um, and it's very difficult to find carriers who have the authority to go into Canada um, and over into Alaska as well. So it's a a different environment up there. It's rougher roads. Um, There's that, you know, ice road truckers, right? We've actually, I've actually worked with them before too, but uh, it's, it's difficult to find people to go up there. So when you do find a driver, um, you're kind of lucky and you treat them. So, so Grace, how is it that you came to, to have this load of tires that you needed to, uh, find a, a, a truck for in the first place? Like, did someone call you? Did you get an email? How did how did that happen? Yeah, so uh, it had been a customer of ours for a while. Uh, so we knew the scheduling. We knew when these things are going out. We've done these, these tires multiple times. Um, you know, your goal always is to find the same carrier, do them all the time. But when you're dealing with, especially LA to somewhere like Alaska, you're going to pull people off the spot market. So a lot of times we have to um, add carriers we've never used before in order to get the job done. Uh, as long as they feel comfortable with that experience, then we're okay with that. So what what do you mean by that uh, you're pulling someone off the spot market? Yeah. So drivers that aren't contracted to certain customers or certain lanes on a specific schedule, uh, they they run what we call the spot market. So they go into the day not knowing what they're going to do, where they're going to go, um, and they take advantage of the markets at specific times, kind of like you would if you see you know, a, a stock fall, um, then you're going to buy it, right? So it's the same thing here. Uh, there's drivers that will literally position themselves in certain markets because they know that they're going to have the most uh, leverage when it comes to rates. So um, LA is a really fun example because there's so much uh, in the port that drivers know they rule that area. So um, a lot of them will go out there and and it's kind of name their rate situation. What kind of backhaul do you get coming out of Alaska, though, like back home? Do you have to account for that, you know, with with these drivers? I So a lot of times they do have loads back. If I remember correctly, this was like uh, kind of like a last minute thing that we're doing on a Friday. So I believe we ended up paying, basically we paid for him to come out at least for his gas at that point. And 
that's something that these shippers aren't used to. Uh, shippers that go into kind of these like peninsulas or weird areas of um, the country or the continent in this case, they know, okay, if I'm going to send this load to this customer, I, I'm probably going to quote them more for shipping. You see it a lot in Florida. You see it a lot in Maine. Um and in, in Baja, California as well. And so was it hard to find a truck that could could take this load to Alaska? I want to say it usually is, but honestly, it wasn't. And probably should have been a red flag right there. Um, but if I usually we had a little bit of notice. And on Friday, drivers, they don't want to sit over the weekend. They want to get a load. They want to have a productive weekend. They want to make sure on Monday that they're delivered somewhere and and moving. This one, you know, is a little bit longer of a transit, but usually Fridays you can get things covered. Um, It's just the issues that you deal with. So weekend, if things are closed and things like that, but uh, we knew that we would find someone on the slope. We, we always quote to get it covered, um, not just to make some money. So we have the confidence that our, Quoting abilities would, would get this covered on time. So you were able to get a get a truck a, a truck for this load very quickly. Then, so honestly, probably within twenty minutes. Uh, now this is like two thousand eighteen, right? So market was different. The ports weren't as congested. Uh, I remember right. We're actually uh, the markets were about flipped. So if anything, we were more concerned with making sure that um, these guys understood the long transit where they were going. Is this the kind of load that it would be normally that you wouldn't necessarily be able to find a truck for it by just like posting it on a, on a load board, um, you know, posting it online and, and seeing if, if someone takes it that you might, is this the kind of thing where you might have to like call around with maybe people who, you know, normally do this? Uh, Sometimes uh, because of, this lane was something that we've done before. We usually can go back to the carriers that have done it. We just, in this situation, they weren't available. Uh, to be honest with you, especially on Fridays, it kind of turns into a, you post it and you're getting calls nonstop. You're spending most of your time vetting that the carrier knows they're going to Alaska. Then trying to find someone who's even interested. A lot of times these carriers will be on load boards and they don't look at anything except for the money. And clearly this is a lot of miles. I remember right, we're well over $5,000 to get this thing moved, closer to 10, to be honest with you. So you're actually spending more time double checking that they understand that I'm not paying them $10,000 to go to Washington a lot of money for a truckload. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like drivers will just see $10,000 and they'll just call you. <laughs> like, first off, where are you? Cause a lot of them will be in like Vegas. They just want a deadhead, right. And get that, that nice check. But, um, it's usually your phone's ringing off the hook and you're explaining to them these, this is what I need you to do. Can you handle that? Was it a driver or was it a, a trucking company, a carrier? that agreed to take this yeah it was a carrier so a carrier called in um put them in our system we had a special system that checked through the fmcsa site that's the federal agency that where you can 
you could base it's like a repository for lots of inf- information about a trucking company, including things like accidents and regulatory issues and insurance. It's like if you want to if you want to vet a company, that's kind of the like the go to place, right? Exactly. And it, it, this system even went as far to double check that the insurance was active. So that's a big piece too, is a lot of brokers don't take that time to, you could give, I could give you my insurance uh, any day, right? But if I haven't paid my bill, nothing's going to happen. So um, that is the important part too, that they did have active insurance at that time. So nothing seemed off. We seemed all set, ready to go. And Grace, did you ask to have a tracker um, included in the load? So that is where it did start to get a little bit interesting. So if I remember correctly, we're working with a newer rep. So they didn't ask for their information to track them. And at that point, I believe we used, um, I believe, MacroPoint or something like that, which is one of the most common tracking systems out there. And... So we asked for the phone number so we could send it to the driver and start tracking them. We're speaking to the dispatcher at this point. He started, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, getting a little concerned, which isn't completely strange. A lot of times carriers get nervous that brokers are going to bother their drivers, um, call them on the hour every hour and distract them. So it's always a delicate conversation. We just explained to him, you know, it's a long transit don't want to have to check in on him all the time. We want to make sure he's safe, especially in those roads that are a little bit more difficult to manage. Um, And we explained to him, until we can verify that tracking is working, we can't give you a pickup number. So we did lay down that rule. Um, I believe we let them go. He called us back and was like, we can do that. That's no issue. Um, So... The other thing, too, is they did ask for um, uh, quick pay. Uh, So basically, they're like, we can do that, but could you pay us um, half of it up front? Now, $10,000 is a big shipment. Carriers aren't used to um, putting in as much miles and gas without getting paid. So it's not an incredibly off thing for them to ask for. I definitely had drivers ask for gas or fuel up front for way less miles. So we told them that's fine. Um, once he is loaded and our customer lets us know he's loaded, then we will pay you, I believe it was half up front. So about 5,000 up front, which um, looking back, red flag. But <laughs> at the time, it did seem to make sense. They were very polite, very nice. So nothing concerned us. We are we got that all set up, um, got their comm checks all set up and, and just really waited for them to let us know that they were loaded and, and on the road. But why, why in retrospect, was it a, a red flag that they, they wanted half the money up front? Retrospect is because they didn't ask for that first. So if I, if they would have asked for it first, I would have been like, this is normal, right? It's a lot of miles. I can understand that. All these guys are living low to load. It gets uh, tough for them to manage. So the fact that they were concerned about tracking though, and then wanted something up front in the long run of the full story, it's, it's definitely um, a red flag that, okay, why would you need 
I think they knew that with the tracking, they might get caught. So for them, it was like, let's at least get out of this situation with $5,000. So (laughs) that's where I look back and I'm like, oh, here, that was your um, ability to leave the situation with, with some type of product in a way. So it's you have this you have this load it's it's all booked everything is set it's a Friday so are then is it like are you kind of take take us back to that like you know for, are you sort of is your day sort of ended you're thinking yeah I've got this um book this load I guess you get you get a commission of like like where what what happens after you you make you sort of get everything set with the carrier I feel like every broker will stand by me on this. You go into Friday like a nurse goes into the emergency room on a full moon. Every Friday is just the worst. Murphy's Law. If the worst thing can happen, it will. So I, you're already on edge. You're already like, okay, where is it? What is what is going to hit my desk today that's just going to ruin my whole weekend? And <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared for... I'm the type of person where I'm benefit of the doubt for drivers. I love drivers. I think that the only way that brokers even work is if you have a good relationship with drivers. So whenever I see anything suspicious, I am the type of leader that's like, okay, let's get this guy on the phone. It's probably not what it seems, right? And this was just the first time where it ended up being what it seemed. So <laughs> if if maybe you could like once this lo- like this is all like the load is already booked, are you basically watching this whole thing, yeah. like monitoring it closely at this point? Like what if you could just walk us through like what what happened after this is all this sort of you've made this, you know, got this all set in motion? Yeah. So the carrier rep came to me and, and he was loaded. Right. So we got a phone call from the customer. Guy's loaded. He's on the road. He's got his paperwork. Great. So we went and we sent the um, comm check to the carriers, right, so that they could get paid. Um, like we told them that we would, every, they, they got it. We were good to go. And then I want to say not even 30 minutes later, the carrier representative was, hey, uh, this guy is going south. And I immediately told them, listen, maybe he's going home. Maybe he's going to go sleep tonight and then hit the road. He's got a whole week to even get there. Um, he knows what he's doing. Let's not bother him. Let's let him ride it out. And I want to say another 30 minutes or so later, it was like a straight shot line towards Mexico. And I was like, okay, thank you for making this clear that this seems odd. You're right. This is, feels odd. Let's call this guy. Let's figure out what he's doing. Let's verify that he is going home. Um, and then also double check that uh, he understands the timeline because the phone number was a Texas number. And if you're going all the way to Texas and then driving back up, that is a long way to make up. I don't know drivers that would just do that for free. So let's make sure that he understands like how long this is going to take him and how much time he's kind of wasted. Um, So the carrier rep called him and this was to me the funny part because first, you know, he, he says, Hey, you know, you're, I see you're, you're moving towards Texas, really close to the border, awfully close to the border. Wanted to check in, see everything's okay. And 
I actually had the call up. I was listening as a third party um, just to make sure it was going smooth. And the carrier comes on. He's like, yeah, everything went great. The shipper was nice. Got my paperwork on my way. I'm going to spend the night in, uh, I think it was Dallas that he was from, and then head out uh, to, to Miami. And I immediately messaged Sky. I'm like, Miami? Can you ask him about it? And he goes, why are you, why are you going to Miami? And the driver's like, well, that's where I'm supposed to go. And so we're immediately concerned that maybe he picked up the wrong product, right? Like he got the wrong bills. He had a different load and just kind of oversight. Um, Cause he's being awfully nice about it too. Like, I don't know any driver who would be fine with going from originally Alaska to just Miami. Um, so we were like, well, no, you're, you're going to Alaska. Now imagine being someone who thinks they're going to Miami. And then all of a sudden someone tells you you're going to Alaska. He immediately is defensive and it's like, I'm not going to Alaska. <laughs> I've never been to Alaska. I would never want to go there. Like that's not what my paperwork says. And to- really was like pushing against us. So at that point we said, oh, we're going to let you go. We're going to call your dispatcher. This is weird. And so we, we were calling the dispatcher and they weren't answering, um, which was strange, but it is a Friday. A lot of this, these guys just go home. So again, we were just kind of like, okay, whatever. Called the driver back and, and explained to him. I sent him a text message of our paperwork. And he's like, you know, I, I, I am looking at the bills again. And they do say Alaska. Now he assumed it was a blind delivery. So in the industry, a lot of times the, and which doesn't make sense, the shipper, they don't want the shipper to know where it's going. So they'll say it's going to Alaska because that's where the buyer is of that product. Um, it's really when there's like a third party sale, which you do see in tires, uh, paper, a lot of types of goods. So he's like, that did seem odd. And but I'm definitely not going to Alaska. And I kept explaining to him like, well, we definitely can't have you go to Miami. So he sent me, he pulled off the road. I think he stopped at um, like a, a way station or something along those lines and sent me his paperwork. And it was exactly our paperwork to a T except for the delivery address. So I went into Google, put in the delivery address and saw that it was a tire shop, uh, a tire shop a little bit outside of uh, Miami and uh, immediately alarm, right? Okay, well, (laughs) this seems even more odd. So we told the guy, listen, we don't know what's going on. Whenever the product is on the truck, it is in their hands. As a broker, when product that you're in charge of is on a truck, you're almost stuck in this place where you have to treat the driver as as best you can because there is that situation where they could just like drive off into no man's land and you're never going to see that product again even if i'm tracking a cell phone so we start to get a little nervous like what is this guy about to do is he going to go to miami this is clearly some type of situation we'll figure it out later um went back and forth with him We had to send him a ton of information. It was the first time in my life where a driver like 
thought that I was truly lying. And I'm talking to him just like this, giving him all the details. And he's like, this is a lie. I think you, he thought I was like intercepting it. Right. Like I was trying to, to take them to Alaska. Um, after I believe we had our customer call him just to make sure like, okay, listen, like here's multiple parties that are telling you this is wrong. We even sent him like the, uh, rate confirmation that we sent, we thought was his dispatcher. We realized talking with him that what happened was he actually bought the load from the carrier that we originally hired. So he wasn't even under their insurance. He wasn't their truck. He was an owner operator all by himself. Um, And basically we were stuck in a situation uh, where a double, uh, an intelligent double broker um, specifically was looking for a type of product to steal um, and really almost pulled it off. So sent the driver back, got him unloaded, canceled the comp check. I was so happy that we sent a comp check and didn't wire him because that would have been just a different situation. Um, And then immediately reported it to a couple of authorities that, hey, these guys are double brokering. We think that they're trying to steal steal our load. Um, And then eventually actually ended up hearing from the carrier's owner who explained to us that his identity had been stolen and that an old employee he believed was using his passwords and such to create this elaborate scheme to buy and sell tires on, on this black market. Did you believe that? So I, I didn't at first because I, you know, I was already been tricked that day. And so I immediately was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. Um, but he did end up following up with me like a week or so later to update me, to let him know that he had, he was able to like get all his passwords changed and he did have a very good authority. So a lot of times when you use carrier 411 or different sites that kind of grade carriers, you'll see their, their safety, right? You'll see, okay, these trucks are nice. Whenever they get inspected, they pass the flying colors. That is unusual. So I do, looking back, and I believe that he did probably have his identity stolen from him. Um, do I think it was an employee? Not sure, but he definitely, I think, did. So in these double brokering situations, so you paid this possible former employee of this carrier $5,000. In these cases, um, what happens? Um, You know, who pays the carrier that actually delivered um, the product or I guess brought it back um, to the shipper? So me, (laughs) the answer is us. So we ended up paying the driver a very good uh, per mile rate to go back. And then we paid him for his full trip. We ended up, uh, I believe actually the next day on Saturday, having someone else come in who we overly vetted this time um, to go up to Alaska. And so it got delivered just fine. That was a nice thing. We, We left enough time in the transit that we didn't have to deal with any delivery, late delivery issues. Um, But we did out of pocket. I, I want to say close to 
a thousand dollars, um, had to eat and, uh, not fun, but losing that customer and having to pay for the, the full product, uh, potentially dependent on, you know, insurance, uh, would have been much worse. So, uh, it's kind of one of those things where count your losses. (laughs) Did you have any interactions with the people that you believe were behind this? Uh, no, honestly, when we called them, when he originally was like, I don't know what you're talking about. They never called us back. That's why I said, when I was looking back on it, I think when they knew we were going to track them, that they were going to get busted. So let's just try to get this $5,000 and run for for it. Now uh, we did make sure that they were like blacklisted in our system. So if they tried to do it again, um, everyone would have been alerted. It sounds like from the owner of the company that it went on for a couple of, uh, like a week before we had, and he thought it was done and then they had popped back up. So once he was able to get into like truck stop and different load boards and change his passwords, um, he said he, he stopped either getting phone calls or seeing, um, reviews that this situation was happening had you had you dealt with a, like a a situation like this before yeah uh not this intelligent i will say uh i definitely think that they were waiting to see someone work a load that they knew was going to be this product especially seeing that it was going to a tire shop now that also could have been someone they already sold the product to so I left a voicemail on that number. They never get called me back. Um, but this probably was the most intelligent one where they, they took their time. What I've seen more of is more like hostage situations where they're like, hey, we're not going to give you this product until you pay us. But in those situations, it's usually because they're at the delivery site and they're not trying to sling the product on the black market somewhere. It is, and usually with like the the double brokered load, it's not it's not for the purposes of of stealing the, um, actually stealing the cargo, right? It's usually for the purposes of, um, basically the, it's like theft theft of service, right? Yes. So I actually I love this question because people talk about double brokering, in a sense that it's like one thing. I mean, technically, if I'm a broker and I end up giving it to another broker, I could double broker. I always look at double brokering in, in a couple of ways. One, uh, one of the most common ways is when the company just has really bad reviews. Um, maybe they their ELDs are, are, are always off or um, they just get into accidents because they, they have bad um, equipment. Um, they just don't pass inspections. So I've seen situations where they'll pretend they're a broker uh, or a carrier um, with great authority. So I go ahead and give them the load and then they end up giving it to um, their side sibling company uh, to actually use their assets to move it. Now, I've also seen what I like to call more of like a hit and run where carriers are just in it for the money. And a lot of times they'll use factoring companies to help it. So what they'll do is they'll 
uh, pretend they're a carrier to me. They'll take the load from me. They will put it back out on the market. And a lot of times when they do that, they put it out for a lot more money because in their head, in order to get off with this crime, I need to make sure everything goes so smooth that there's no questions that, that something's wrong. So what they'll do, if I do pay you $2,000, they will put the load out there for $4,000 so it for sure gets covered. And then when the bill needs to get paid, the carrier who actually ended up moving the load is just getting a dead number and doesn't know who to reach out to and, and really realizes they're not going to get paid. What's also terrible is the carrier who I... Or, the broker, technically, who I thought was a carrier, um, gets away with either payment from me, not realizing they didn't deliver the load, um, or uh, a payment from their factoring company. And then they get out of it in like 30 days and disappear, redo it in, in a different authority. But um, that's where I see most of it is that kind of uh, transaction as well. I know I've covered a couple stories over the years and some of them involve like high dollar, like seafood loads of lobster and things like that, or meat, you know, in over the years, um, you know, that those seem to be where they just disappear, you know, like yes. somebody picks up the load and the seafood I'm sure is sold, you know, somewhere on the black market and I've, I've seen that, especially with like liquor or copper, copper ha happens quite frequently. I feel like copper, I've seen more of like my truck disappeared, like someone stole it. <laughs> um, I, when I worked a lot more with metals though, I was very grateful, I guess, for that now, because it's a product that you can't just take to a regular warehouse and unload. So I think what made this interesting is like, oh, you we're able to find the one piece of freight that doesn't need to be strapped down and unloaded with forklifts or overhead cranes. Um, they really got lucky with us. So we didn't have to deal with that, but definitely high value product. Uh, they will work their best to, to take that from you and, and flip it somewhere else. When you're moving high valued loads, and it's not just on the broker. I think it's on the, the shipper as well. It's very smart to have levels of due diligence within that transaction. One big way this would have got caught immediately is if this customer had any type of check-in process. Um, a lot of times I've seen they have, they have to say the address that they're going to, right? So the carrier would have said Miami, and then it would have immediately probably not have even been loaded. So I think it's always smart that if you are moving product that you know is, I mean, for me, I'd say over even $50,000, that you are having a smart, thorough check-in process at the, at the pickup location, um, that you are vetting your carriers just a little bit more. Um, and you just try to cover all of your bases there. I always look back on it. like, we could have done this better. We could have done this, but I think for this one, if, if our shipper really like just a warehouse, couple of guys using forklifts to, to put tires on there, nothing crazy. They would have had any type of due diligence. 
we probably would have caught it right there at the pickup. That's a lot of times where it gets halted is like, okay, this is suspicious. And then I get the phone call that I, I did my uh, job bad. <laughs> Do you think technology with geofencing and different type of, you know, technology with, tr- you know, tracking devices in the loads and everything is helping, um, you know, prevent um, these types of cargo thefts? Or I, I definitely believe so. Um, I think especially the way that a lot of the technology is integrating into the ELD, right? I'm tracking a cell phone. It could have, that phone could have been in anyone's hands and I would have been like, yep, that seems right. So I think the fact that people are starting to integrate with the actual systems of the trucks, um, is very helpful because, at that point, you could even steal the truck and I know where the freight's going to end up. I also see, because they're becoming way more, um, they're being made cheaper and they're easier to get your hands on, I have seen a lot of shippers start putting trackers on their shipments. So you know, every two or three pallets, they'll, they'll put a little tracker in there. Um, that's helpful as well, because there are times where these carriers will take in the product and, and try to move it in a different way. Um, and depending on what that product is, it can't be touched. So I, I'm very interested in seeing how shippers start implementing different ways to uh, make sure their liabilities um, are being covered. So I definitely think the tracking aspect's getting better. And the cell phone part is awful because once you take that driver out of the truck, I don't know where that truck is. So hopefully we start seeing more of those integrations. Yeah. Thing, what is it, was it normal that you would be monitoring a load as closely as you were with these tires? I want to say yes, because every broker does their job perfectly. We never do anything wrong. Um, the person that was doing tracking this load was one of our most due diligent employees. Um, so I do think the higher beings that it was someone that I know does their job very, very well. Um, and I, I remember specifically at the end of the day, having everyone gather around because that person I think felt like that was their fault and making a point that, no, you actually are the superhero in this situation. And when you see something, say something, (laughs) If anything, I almost messed it up. So I I was happy that we had trained our employees well and that we were able to give our whole company a lesson on risk. What would have happened if the uh, tires had successfully been delivered to Miami? They would have been gone, that's for sure. We would have never saw them again. <laughs> they would have been probably sold really quickly. Uh, I remember at one point the driver was trying to say he thought maybe they're going to put him on a boat to Alaska. It's like, no, I don't think that's right. Um, in this situation, once I figured out or we figured out that it was clearly not in Alaska or in, in, in nowhere close, um, we would have had to reach, uh, really put in a start a claim uh, with the carrier's company. Now, what would have happened in that situation is they would have got a hold of the owner like we ended up doing and finding out it wasn't the truck. So that wouldn't have been covered by their insurance. Um, So then it's back to my insurance. Um, I would have had to prove I did my due diligence in the way that I've 
told my insurance that I'd do my due diligence. And then more than likely that situation would have been covered. I would have probably had to make a police report at the pickup location um, as well so that there's something on record to get to the insurance company. Um, and let's say that I didn't do my due diligence right. Maybe the insurance company sees a flaw in how we did our job. Um, then technically it would have been on the shipper. I've seen a lot of times shippers will have insurance for this type of thing, especially when they're moving really high loads or high value loads. Cause it, uh, and it's, it's very difficult to find a carrier who has more than a hundred thousand. So they kind of provide the insurance for them. Um, but that's the frustrating thing as, as a broker, there is a, depending on the situation, there is a chance that I don't have the liability of it. You've hired me to just find a truck. And I did that. Um, especially when they find out that you just are handing your loads off to whomever comes in with, with a, a pickup number. So, um, it would have came down to someone probably either our insurance paying for it or someone writing this off as bad debt at the end of the day for, for a stolen load. And what about, and, and what happens to the driver in that case? Are they just kind of, uh, are they left holding the bag and don't get paid? I would have had to pay him. That's if he, if he went to Miami and well, in this situation, cause of the double broker, he would have reached out to that carrier the carrier would probably would have not answered the phone. They might've paid him because they just made so much off the tires. Right. So, but there's a good chance that they're not that ethical. So they probably wouldn't. Um, and then what you'll see is a lot of times these carriers will reach out to certain companies in the industry that help them, um, with unpaid bills and those legal firms, would have eventually found from the pickup location that I was in charge of the original freight. And then I am liable for that bill. So I would have, if he didn't get paid by the, the guys who would have stole the load, I would have had to pay them. You've been listening to long haul crime log from freight waves. You can find more episodes by searching for long haul crime log, wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple podcasts and Spotify. And while you're there, why don't you give us a rating, a subscribe, Tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your friends in the freight brokerage industry, tell your friends who double broker loads. Sure. We're also on Twitter now. Our handle is Long Haul Crime. Anyone out there who has a story they want to share, uh, maybe it's about cargo theft or drug smuggling or maybe too many unpaid parking tickets, anything and everything, you can shoot us a line at crime at freightwaves.com. And tune in next week for more stories from the dark side of trucking.